You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning. Well, good morning to you. How are you doing? I'm feeling fine. Fine. The allergies are kind of getting me now. Ooh. All the pollen in the air. I feel like there's way more pollen in the air. Really? Nose has been itchy and stuff like that. See, I have difficulty quite describing or defining what I've been experiencing lately because I'm because I'm hijacking this conversation. That's what I'm realizing. Um, <laughs> That's what the point of this was. But I, I don't, I've not historically dealt with allergies. I really haven't. Me neither. It's a new thing that started with push mowing. And I was like, I guess because I'm in it, you know, oh, a yeah. lot more than I would normally be because there's more surface area to push mow. Mm-hmm. That's different now. Thank goodness. Truly. Praise um, the Lord. But then I went, I I was like, okay, you know, I haven't done anything. <laughs> I haven't done anything fun in two years. <laughs> no, I went... <laughs> It's an exaggeration, but I went to a concert recently Mm -hmm. and I came back and I instantly got sick. Like, and that might be overstating it a little bit. It was just sinusy. Yeah. And I am very dramatic. When I am, when I am (laughs) slightly unwell, the world is ending. Put a cold cloth on my head. I must cover my eyes. The sun cannot shine upon me. The the end is near. So it probably wasn't as bad as it seemed for most of it. I went to the doctor. He's like, yeah, you're already almost through it, honestly, because I was. Nothing was alarming. No serious symptoms. It was just like long and slow. It was a slow road out of that. Mm. And I'm finally feeling better. Oh, yes. But now now I'm nervous because I feel like I'm in danger of the pollen. (laughs) I just got back. Gets over germ. Pollen is in the air. Be a shame if <laughs> something else clogged up your sinuses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Uh, Pollen, how the world attacks us. Yeah, I didn't ask for it. It's just like uh, the movie The Happening, right? <laughs> of M. Night Shyamalan and Mark Wahlberg fame. Right? Uh, it's, it's, it's some kind of maybe. Have it's you more all watched that? All you fame. listeners, I know you can't talk to us right now. I'm asking that as if we're doing a live recording and you're in here listening to us. But the happening was that was a movie. Yeah, it was a movie. It was a movie. I would say the best part about it is Mark Wahlberg desperately trying to sing Blackwater by the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, that <laughs> is absolutely. I'll rewatch that scene. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything else. All that movie was, or at least all that I remember of, is just Mark Wahlberg constantly looking like you just told him the most perplexing mystery <laughs> in the world. Because his eyebrow, it's just the same eyebrow raise the whole time. And he's like constantly just. Is that the role where they wrote him to be like a smart nerd? So his effort was to raise the tenor of his voice. Is that the movie? I think so. Because there's a movie where he, because I obviously have blocked out almost all of that film. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a movie like he's he's a smart guy. And so his attempt at being a smart guy is, oh, I'll just raise my voice and like what yeah what and constantly look puzzled ironic yeah. for such a man yeah what are you what are you doing man with these smarts uh, allegedly but i've not watched that movie since it came out yeah i saw it one time i can't imagine going back no offense no, no i i will not i just i refuse yeah yeah so yeah uh you know what else is silly and ridiculous yeah. what sometimes else? the uh the views of people yeah <laughs> the things they think yeah that's true <laughs> As I think about everything I disagree with, yeah, that that's can never right. Be me. That's yeah. Also, my thing is like you're all ridiculous. <laughs> I understand everything. Oh, I've never been ridiculous. I've what? never been wrong in my life. I have uh, never changed my mind not once <laughs> because I have achieved perfect understanding from my youth. That's all a joke, by the way. In case you couldn't tell. <laughs> Large disclaimer. Yes, but I was recently reading an otherwise excellent book. Hmm. 
in which the author, almost as an aside, was trying to make the case that anyone who believes in an afterlife should stop believing in the afterlife. Oh, okay. So that <laughs> thanks we can take fuller advantage of our time on this earth. Well, that is a specific view. Boy, isn't it? It is that. It's such like, uh, you know, like, oh, these things are mutually contradictory. <sighs> right? you, know, you can't like have those Isn't it things. interesting? I'm kind of amused sometimes because it sounds like this really wasn't the point of the book. No. And, and if it's this little aside, I'm like, I wonder what happened to him that day. <laughs> you know what I mean? The day he wrote that line, like something got under his skin. He's like, yeah, take fuller advantage. I'm like, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> here, buddy. No, so like his point was that if you really believe in an afterlife, you're probably more likely to put off living life to the fullest because you'll think, hmm. well, if I don't get around to something now, I have all of eternity to get around to it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And as an ancillary to that, he argued that the limit of our earthly life is precisely and apparently the only thing, really, that makes it meaningful. Because if we have an endless eternity, everything becomes boring and meaningless. Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, you know, I wanted to challenge that assertion on many fronts. <laughs> this is slightly you the know? inverse of, <laughs> I read a thing one day. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I, the funny thing is, I might give him a, a small piece of that. I, I, a small one, I just to, like, give one you a little, specific piece. One little bit. I do think, like, the fleeting nature of, of this mortal coil, it does provide a meaningful sense of urgency. Yeah, I think, I think depending on how you're talking yeah. about it, I absolutely agree. I do think there's value. Like, take advantage of the time that you have with loved ones. Mm -hmm. Don't waste opportunities to invest in, hey, in yourself or in relationships or just in meaningful ways because the time you have to do that here is unique. Yes. Um, I obviously don't think that's mutually exclusive, <laughs> as you said, with, with believing in an afterlife. Um, that, I feel like that gives such little credit to literally anyone. <laughs> like, uh, you're not capable of holding these two you thoughts together. You can't do these things together, you fool. Yeah, I agree. And that's something that, you know, like, to your point, the Apostle Paul makes that same point mm -hmm. in, like, the letter to the Ephesians, where he's like, make the most of this time that you have, yeah. this unique sense of time that you have on this earth, mm -hmm. in this life, in this mortal coil, because the days are, what he would say, is evil. Like, you need to redeem the time you have. Mm. So there is a unique sense in which, yes, of course, there are things, you know, you ought to take advantage of now. Yeah. But to, again, it's like, no one in scripture holds those as mutually exclusive things. Exactly. And any religion that believes in an afterlife doesn't really hold those things as mutually exclusive. Yeah. So, that being said, I do think this is a thought that does cross even the most devout Christian's mind from time to time, though. You know what I mean? Like, we can't envisage how an endless span of, quote-unquote, time, you know, an eternity, couldn't become boring. Like, I think as we understand it now, like, how could that not become boring? Plus, we have a hard time envisioning the afterlife to begin with, right? Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's already just difficult for, for us. For sure. So then the question is, will we get bored in heaven? You know, does the fact of eternity actually rob our lives of any meaning? Hmm. I think you all know how we're going to answer those questions, because <laughs> we technically already have. <laughs> but, you know, we could just end this podcast here and say, well, no, of course not. You know, like, <laughs> no. of course it's not going to do this. Like, of course we're not going to be bored. It's going to rob us of meaning, you know, but that would be boring. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that would be that any fun. Would be. So let's think just a little bit more about 
why eternal life won't be boring Hmm. and why it doesn't rob our life right now of any sort of meaning. Sure. And let's first dispel an obvious presupposition that the author smuggled into his argument. Okay. He is implicitly assuming that the idea of eternal life is absurd or at least not worthwhile. Okay. Yeah. Because... He isn't saying it explicitly, but it's it's obvious from the way he's arguing yeah. that we're going to experience eternal life in the exact same way that we experience life and time mm. right now. An exact continuation. Like, yes. You have all the exact same type of time. Yes, exactly. And right now, according to scripture, we're experiencing life and time as fallen and sinful human beings. Mm-hmm. We are easily bored. We do lose interest in things. We procrastinate and fail to make meaningful decisions unless we're pressed with deadlines and whatnot and all those things. Yes, because... <laughs> we are fundamentally down to our very souls, flawed and sinful. Yeah. Like, yes, so like our experience of time and life right now is not what it's going to be in eternal life. So yeah, huh. there's there's a break there. Yeah. He's assuming the exact opposite, that yeah. like exactly how we experience things now is just going to continue, if yeah. that is, if that's true. It's it's possible that I was ready to give myself too much credit. <laughs> for, <laughs> I don't know, for like making meaning of things, I guess, because I feel like, I don't know, you got me on several of those counts. You know, it's like, yeah, I am bored with ease. I want to move on to something else or, you know, it's like, it is the purview of our fallen state. Yes, exactly. And so when we take the thought that, oh, we're just going to take that same experience into the afterlife with us, Mm. we're already off on the wrong foot. Yeah, that's not super exciting. Because scripture makes quite clear that when we step into eternity, we will precisely not experience life and time. And in fact, it's weird to even think about talking about time in eternity because like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, at least our understanding of it, like it's going to be different. Like, how do you talk about time in eternity, right? Mm. So, The point is, is we're not going to experience any of it the way we experience it now, because we will be different for one thing, right? So like, think of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44, for example, where he's talking about our resurrection bodies. He says, what is sown is perishable, referring to our bodies as they are right now. But what is raised, referring to our bodies in the resurrection, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Hmm. So what Paul is making clear there and in the verses surrounding it is that we ourselves will be changed at the resurrection. We will not step into eternity and experience it the same way we experience things right now. So our wills, for example, they will no longer be corrupted. And that's the root cause of so much of our boredom and procrastination and all of that nonsense, right? Like even take those innocent examples. Like I have to will myself right now to say like I take Morgan and the girls to Thomas or Davis, right? Like say we go to like Canaan Valley and the girls are out there playing and we got all this beautiful scenery. I have to will myself to pay attention to all of like the fun and beautiful things that are happening there. Like while my girls are running around and giggling and there's all this majesty around me, I have to will myself to stay tethered to that moment as opposed to saying like, I'm going to let my mind flitter away or like, oh, let me pull out my phone and like as a tick, check it yeah, and like get myself out of experiencing this moment. And I think like ideally we know like, oh, if I'm there with my family, we took the time to drive out here. It's like, I want to soak up every moment of this with right, them and yeah. enjoy and experience it 
as it is. And we would say that's ideal, but yeah. like, I have to tell myself, stop it. Like focus, 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 yeah. you know, as opposed to saying like, let yourself be distracted and get yourself out of the moment. That's a function of our corrupted wills. So part of the problem there is not the world or the environment around me. The problem is me, mm-hmm. right? I'm the one who cannot appreciate life in all of its fullness in that moment. I am the one who cannot make meaningful decisions and focus and hone in on my work apart from a deadline that someone says like, oh, yeah, you need to have this done by the end of the day. Or you need to get this sort of thing done before you die because, you know, death is the end. And that's a flaw, not a strength. Like ideally, like the perfect will could make meaningful decisions and enjoy the fullness of a moment without having to be corralled and told, right? Yeah. And that will be changed in the resurrection. So our experience of that will be different. I think what's interesting is like, it would be easier and probably in some ways more comfortable for the instinctual like excuse that, oh, it's the fallen world, right? It's that, you know, it's the imperfect conditions around me when it's actually like my imperfections. It's my imperfect mind, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. and maybe that's a little uncomfortable to recognize, but I think it's also... kind of obvious yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah when we're trying to kind of picture this in a, in a healthier way yeah i think i can get this and i know there's no way i'm speaking alone here mm-hmm. it's kind of yeah. ethereal church service idea of heaven yes and that it frustrates me so much yeah i i, I hate <laughs> i hate even saying that out loud like it makes me mad right when people even i don't even like talking like that. don't even acknowledge it <laughs> don't even acknowledge it because like every description yeah. of like heavenly things, heavenly beings, creation, even what the tabernacle or the temple suggests to us. Right. They're all far more rich and full of life and wonder and possibility. Yes. And I find it still easy to default to this like anemic greeting card <laughs> idea of heaven. I, that it's not at all. And I'm going to I'm gonna maybe pin a little bit of blame here on Western evangelicalism. That's not that's helpful. That's fine. Me, like, <laughs> and I think that's a terrible shame. It is. Yeah. See, I, you have a confluence of things, I think, contributing to our idea that, you know, if you take this author's tack, you can understand how if those are the ideas he is working with, yeah, yeah. like the afterlife, just jettison that and make the most <laughs> of the time, like do whatever you need to to make the most of the time you have right now. But our whole point here is that scripture makes clear that's not the case. Like yeah. we will be fundamentally changed. And also to that point that you're kind of ending at, <laughs> the world itself will be fundamentally changed too. Yeah. And and even to further the particular point about us. If we think back to the beginning of creation in the Garden of Eden, even, were Adam and Eve thrown by the fact that death hadn't yet entered the world? Like, they didn't have this constrained effect of like, oh, we're going to die one day for sure, and that's what gives us meaning. Like, we know it's going to end. <laughs> Nor were they having this existential crisis where like, well, you mean we're like, death isn't a thing? Like, we're not going to live forever? Like, well, our work of dominion has been robbed of all meaning because it's just going to go on forever. Like, what point does any... None of that was happening. Not according to what we read in Scripture. So, like, with sinless wills, In the afterlife, we won't be tempted to fritter our time away or to be bored. We will be able to fully enjoy and make use of every moment, Mm. right? Like you won't be able to do otherwise, which is impossible for us to imagine, right? Like because we're frustrated all the time, like even in our work, which is, I think, a huge area of angst for a lot of us. Because like, I think we know that like if you get into the flow of your work, whatever that may be, whether that's writing, gardening, you know, whatever it is, like you actually can feel good doing that. You can feel a certain sense of joy when you're really in the flow. But that happens so rarely for most of us. It's like, you know, we're really having to, again, your temptation is I'm working hard and then you have this itch and you're like, let me just jump to something else. (laughs) And that doesn't even, I'm not even talking about like distractions where it's like, oh, I want to jump to social media or whatever. I mean, that may be a thing, but like, I'm talking about like, okay, like I've worked on this for 30 minutes and I need to rearrange my desk. You know, like I need to go like, go do something else. Sure. Um, 
that's not going to be a thing in the afterlife because your will will be perfected mm. as part of your glorified, perfected body oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, your, and your perfected soul. You won't be able to do anything but enjoy and make the fullest use of the time that you have. That's the only thing you'll be able to do, mm. which I think is an amazing possibility. What an astonishing thought. And not only that, but if we go back to our author's argument again for a minute, he also smuggles in this belief that in the afterlife, the world itself will also be much the same or somehow diminished if that's true. Which, again, back to your point, looking at the world as it is right now even, okay? Oh, boy. The world as it is, okay, in many ways, it is in bondage to corruption. Paul talks about that in Romans 8. Like, there are lots, so many issues of the world. But taken as it is, too, it's also still an amazing place. Oh, yeah. Now, you think about the fact that we know more about outer space, right, than we do our own oceans. That's like, insane, man. Like, how is that possible? That's insane. That you, it's just, it's just the ocean. You're like, it, it's just, literally right here. It's right here. It's right here. But we don't, like, we can't, you know what I mean? So like, there's all this stuff like that should, like if, if again, if our wills were perfect, we would never cease to be astonished hmm. just with looking at the fact that like, oh, we have houses that like we built, like that, <laughs> that have all these things that come together for them. Like, here's another, like, you ever think about what it takes to make a pencil? I love pencils, right? But like. <laughs> And it's like, you know, seriously, it's so like you just look at it and you think, oh, I could make that. Except, okay, well, hold on a minute. You have to find the wood, right? Mm-hmm. Which you think, okay, that's easy. You find the wood. And then you have to, you know, shape it. But then somehow also you have to get this graphite in there. Mm-hmm. But then we're like, okay, what are you, where are you getting the graphite? What are you making that out of? And then who is shaping that in such a way that you can get it into this barrel of wood? So then you have to have this machine that's able to do that. And then, okay, well, what about the eraser? Well, what are you making that eraser out of? That's a composite of several materials that you have to go out and get and know how to combine. And then the ferrule that attaches the eraser to yeah. the pencil, like now you're talking about metals and machining, like think about the amazing things that go into making a pencil and i just pick that thing up and write with it like it's no big deal <laughs> right like someone had to make all those things so that someone could make a pencil i'm just saying if we had perfect wills we would never cease to be amazed yeah. at the world but the amazing thing about that is is that according to scripture again from passages like romans 8 revelation 21 and 22 all over isaiah yeah. like dozens of other passages Creation itself is still waiting to be set free from its corruption and its bondage, which means it is going to be infinitely more amazing than it already is somehow. Mm. Like, how, how is that possible? I don't know. I can't imagine it. <laughs> Maybe that's why Paul says, we can't imagine it, you know? And so, like, you get scripture reaching for these images. You know, like, yeah. when you read Revelation— the new heavens and the new earth, it's like kind of confusing. You're like, what in the world? It's like, this is what it's like literally physically going to be like? Like, no, no, no. The realities he's describing, words are too weak to describe mm. it. Images can't reach it. So the best you can do is like, let me give you an idea of what it's like. Like in the prophet Ezekiel, for example, when he sees God, for lack of a better term, in his strange vision, you should notice how many times he's like, and the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord was as if it was over. Like you can sense he's reaching. He's like, I have seen something human words are too weak to describe. And that's the reality we're heading into. Mm. Like one more analogy to like help us try to get our minds around this, because I really want to drive this home that C.S. Lewis in his novel, The Great Divorce. Marvelous little book. He has the souls of the dead in this bus station, purgatory, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they get a chance to go to the outskirts of heaven. And when they get there, they are thin and ethereal, and they can't pick up so much as one blade of grass. It's too heavy. Mm. Everything is like pressing into them. And uh, Lewis was trying to describe 
this idea that the reality of eternity, new heavens, new earth, new creation, resurrection, heaven, will be thicker and more real, in a (laughs) sense, than what we know right now. Like, if we were to be transported to it right now, we would be thin and ethereal and misty in comparison, and we wouldn't be able to lift the smallest blade of grass. It would be that much thicker and realer. And all that is to say is, yeah, in the afterlife, we're not going to some ethereal floaty place for an eternal, quote-unquote, church service in the sky. Like, yeah, get the greeting card idea out of your head. (laughs) We are going to be fully embodied in a perfected, glorified creation with perfect, sinless wills where we will see Christ face-to-face. That's our heart's greatest desire. And everything will be as it was meant to be. So, like, it's going to be infinitely better than what we get right now. Mm. Yeah, words are too weak to describe it. So, yeah, forget this author's argument. Like, I think that precisely is one of the things that guys like Paul will use to say this should motivate you to work hard now and do things well right now because one day you're going to get to enjoy that and part of your reward in that new heavens and new earth will be determined by how you used your time now. Yeah. So not whether you get into it or not is determined by that, right? Like that's determined by faith in Christ alone. But the reward that you'll get when you're there, that's determined by how you used your time now. So use your time well now. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I'm really kind of stuck on that that bit from Lewis, actually. That is, that Isn't is that pretty interesting? Very compelling to me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's just going to be amazing, I think. When I remind myself that that's what I'm heading toward, I'm going to be looking forward to that now all day today. Like, I'm going to be thinking about that. All day. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny because I feel like the kind of um, the version that I've repeatedly poked at throughout this, it's not, you know, that's not super enticing. No, it's, no. It's I mean, there's there's nothing not about it. Like, that's nothing. No. I think people get freaked out about saying it. Like, dude, no. It, yeah, there's nothing like, enticing about because it. Because you're like, if you're stuck on the eternal church service thing, you feel like, well, if I was holier or had a more like elevated understanding, I would like that. Yeah. Going to be honest with you, it's not enticing. Yeah. Like, it's just not hell and scripture yeah <laughs> like it's better because it's not hell but but scripture never talks about it like that yeah, right exactly and it also like completely ignores words like new heaven and new earth yes like what which decidedly to me sounds pretty good like yes like a, a refashioning of creation itself mm-hmm. completely unburdened and, and, and uncorrupted by the fall yes personal take i can only imagine that that holds beauty and experience and life that it's like beyond what our minds can comprehend beyond yes like as lewis described i think that is just yeah uh, just like makes so us rich. look make us look thin exactly by, uh, it's you like, know, like see through you know total flip it's yeah. a complete flip yes it is as opposed to this idea that like no somehow that is like the thinner more ethereal like oh no no yeah. like you will um this is the imitation. The imitation. It's the shadow. It's yeah. the, you know, like the substance is still to come. You know, like you could, you talked about the temple and the tabernacle mm-hmm. and like you read those accounts in scripture about like how thick and rich and glorious and beautiful and weighty those places were. And the author, he was like, oh, those are shadows. Yeah. Like you think, like you think looking at my shadow on the ground, like that's nothing. The shadow is nothing. Literally. It's just the outline of my shape. Yeah. Like it's just a how much more like, wow, like whew, that's just going to be you know, unreal, running around and talking to the angels and uh, running with the horses and all those things. It's just going to be absolutely magnificent. So I find that very compelling and very encouraging in my life and in my faith. So uh, yeah, yeah, in eternity, it's not a question of if we'll be able to find meaning or use our time wisely in those endless days (laughs) of glory. We won't be able to do anything but that. And there will no longer be that gross feeling of having wasted a moment or being bored with what's going on. Mm. And no need to confess that we've misspent our time because every single breath will be perfect praise. Every single act will bring perfect glory to God and everything will be as it was always meant to be. And uh, 
we will get to the end of that and say like, wow, we could not have dreamed up or imagined something better than what you've given to us. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully you can't either. If this encouraged and helped you and you will leave us an honest five-star review, you'll uh, transport us to a... (laughs) Yeah, anyway... (laughs) No, if you do want to leave us a you know little five-star review in the Apple Podcast platform, that'd be great. And uh, if you have any questions on this or any other topic, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. And thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.